Living with Jesus on earth is not something people often consider, even when contemplating life after death or their own mortality. Christians certainly take comfort in knowing to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But what does this really mean beyond the initial thought? Even people who believe their good works earns them passage through the pearly gates. What life might actually be like beyond the floating angelic type contemplations is rarely given much thought. But yet the Bible is filled with information about Jesus living and reigning with man on the earth after his second coming. What does this really mean? What will be happening? What will we witness? What will the events of these days be like? Join us now as we explore life with Jesus and how soon might this be taking place. I am Mark Russick and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, good day everybody. My name is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. Thank you so much for joining I'm very excited about today's topic. I'm going to be exploring with you what will life be like with Jesus here on earth. And the, one of the many reasons I wanted to, to explore this is, uh, you know, so, so oftentimes people think about, well, when I die, if they're, even if they're, you know, if they're Christian, they're expecting to go to heaven and be with Jesus, which they will. But there's also this very lengthy period uh, of where Jesus will ascend uh, or descend down to the earth, I should say. And uh, we will be living and reigning with him as king uh, for a thousand years. So I wanted to look at what does that mean? What will we be doing? What will some of the events uh, that, that will take place during this period? Because scripture has an awful lot to say about it. And I, I don't hear a lot. I, I, you know, I look around and, and, you know, I try to see what's going on, who's who uh, uh, has revelations and, and, and whatnot and, you know, what the church is teaching. Um, and, and there are certainly people who are exploring uh, life in the millennium, but there's just not a lot of it. And this is great news. That This is wonderful news, things that we can really look forward to. And I wanted to know. I wanted to know what will I be seeing? What will I be looking at? What will we be observing? What will we be doing? So these are some of the things that I wanted to explore um, as well as some of the signs uh, leading up to it, because this may happen a lot sooner than you think. And I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to give you a frame of reference to draw from that. Uh, I, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be a really good intellectual exercise uh, for things for us to consider, to contemplate. Um, so hopefully, if you appreciate subjects like this, if you wouldn't mind hitting the like and the subscribe button, ring that bell. Uh, no matter what platform you're on, YouTube or any of the podcast platforms, it lets people know what we're doing, what we're saying. And as I say, as I say always and often, I'm about getting to the truth of the matter and uh, whatever means we can to, to get there. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at Scripture, and I've said oftentimes, um, more often than I can think of, is that the Word of God has been proven, proven to be faithful and true beyond any mathematical plausibility. Uh, and, and so because of that, I wanted to see what the word has to say about this reign with Jesus. And what are the things that we can look towards that, like I said, may be coming a lot sooner than you think. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to break this into two categories. I'm going to really quickly look at some things or show you some things that anybody can observe uh, that was uh, prophesied thousands of years ago that would take place and and things that we see 
um, that we can point to, yeah, the time it is drawing near, uh, and it could be a lot sooner than you think. And because of that, it could be a lot sooner than you think that you may be living and reigning with Jesus here on earth. So that, you know, that's the reason. Uh, I'd also ask, if you don't mind, if you're so inclined, please jump on the Russick Outlook. Join our email list. There's a little pop-up window that comes up when you sign on there, and you'll see it on uh, on the video here. Uh, join the email list so that we can notify you of new things to come. There's going to be some new developments for the new year in 2022. But uh, for, for now, I just want to get into this. I want to explore what will life be like living with the king here on earth? What are some of the things to look forward to? And what are some of the things that we can observe that points to the clock ticking perhaps a little sooner than we think, or that some, that some would have you believe? So very quickly, I wanted to look at signs that are over-the-top obvious, that, that meaning that we're getting towards the, the return of Jesus. And these are things that we can see uh, in, in our own eyes, in, in the history books, in the, in, in the textbooks, and in our modern day uh, political environment and, and military environments. So on that note, if you wouldn't mind, if you're following me on video, I'm showing you a montage of different images, and I'll do my best to explain for the podcast listeners. Uh, I want to draw reference first to Genesis 1.14. So if you follow me on the l- lower left, uh, and it says, as God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons. So he, he's telling us right away that the heavens are for signs and for seasons, in, you know, in addition to uh, being the, the marker for our calendars. So uh, I want to point to the blood moons. I've discussed this on a number of times for those of you who may not be familiar with it. Uh, there are four, the instances that I'm drawing from are what's called four blood moons and they happen successfully or in succession, I should have said, over a two-year period. And uh, 1492 to 1493, and then we didn't see it until 1949 and 1950, 67 and 68, 2014 and 2015. And these four uh, blood moons, the, these eclipses that makes the, uh, the moon look red is why, why they call it, successfully always land on Jewish holidays. And I'm very quickly going to go through some things here. Uh, most people know that the uh, nation of Israel was born in 1948, or at least, you know, to the United Nations. And in 49 and 50, when the government and the military was established, we happen to have those four blood moons in 1949 and 1950. Fast forward to 67 and 68. Again, successfully falls on the four Jewish holidays. And what happens in 67, that's when you had the Six-Day War and Jerusalem is recaptured, East Jerusalem. So the whole city of Jerusalem uh, as, as, as the capital uh, at least of Israel, as the Israelis recognized it, even though the world didn't until a few years ago, where some nations are now doing it. And then you had 2014 and 2015, and people say, well, what really happened there? And I would say that's when you had the first access uh, of, of a significant calling for the Jewish people on the Temple Mount, to the point where today you have hundreds, and some have even said that over a thousand will be on the Temple Mount praying at one time 
So, uh, you know, it, it's becoming stronger and stronger. I count these as signs from the Lord, from the heavens. Uh, you know, you can't, uh, and, and I'll even say the last one that you had, 1492, 1493, was coincidentally when Columbus was uh, 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 discovered America, America being great friends to the Jewish people, and also when the Jewish people were expelled from Spain. It happened to be that same year. So you draw your own conclusions, but my point for me at least is I, I see these as definitive signs in the heavens. I'm also going to explore what is called the great sign of Revelation 12 um, on, on September 23rd, 2017. I'm going to dig a little deeper on that in a minute, but I wanted to point it out. Other things that are undeniable, the nation of Israel being born in a day, the regathering of the people. So I'm going to read from you Isaiah 11, 11 through 12, and it says in the lower left here, it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time. Notice the second time. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, uh, defeated the Israelis, brought them to Babylon, but then they were, that's where they were. And then they were uh, um, dispersed back home to their homeland. And then they were dispersed the second time after the uh, uh, 70 AD, the fall of um, uh, the Jewish Jerusalem, I'll say, by the Roman Empire, uh, Titus. And I'll touch on that in a second as well. Uh, it, then it goes on to say, to recover the remnant of his people who are left from Assyria and Egypt, from Pathros and Cush, from Elam and Shinar, from Hamath and the islands of the sea, he will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. I count this as the great super sign of the, world, of, of the Lord's coming. Um, he points to this, and it was almost over a 2,500-year period. Um, now, well, I, I should say a little over a 2,000-year period, excuse me. I was thinking about the age of uh, um, uh, the, the book of Ezekiel. But at any rate, um, this gathering of the people who were dispersed through the four corners of the earth, most of you who are listening, I know you're familiar with the uh, significance of Israel, but again, gathering the people, bringing back the native language, the, the, the symbol uh, w w was foretold in Scripture. How can a nation be born in a day? Sure enough, May 14th, 1948 it was, and so forth and so on. But Israel itself, that's to me is where the clock really starts ticking. When you saw these people miraculously come back from the four corners of the earth, an entire civilization reborn or re taken back to their home, and everything, you know, of what we see in the miracles of what we see in Israel today and the Jewish people in what I would say is the roughest neighborhood in the world uh, is nothing short of, uh, of, of the Lord's hand. I, you know, I can't put it any other way. So that is another sign that the clock is getting near. Then you have, uh, I'm going to go to the lower right. I'm, I'm, I'm going in no particular order. Uh, Joel 3, 1 through 2. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I gather, I will gather the nations, bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage, Israel, whom they scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. So as we sit here, I'm, I'm here in America. The 46th uh, president and his administration are trying to divide the land of Israel 
and, and many have you know done that and, or attempted to do that. It won't succeed. Um, but people are the world is pressuring Israel, and uh, it, it, it's not going to work. And you know, but but nonetheless, it is foretold that the nations will attempt to divide the land of Israel. Unfortunately for America, they're trying to bring the Israelis back to the sixty-seven borders, which is nothing sure. Of, of suicide for this nation because that would give them a nine mile width uh, of territory to protect at its narrowest point. So the the, the lunacy of, of of our policies here in America and others, it's Europe is, is has been a tremendous detriment as well. Um, then fast forward to the sixty seven six day war, the capture of East Jerusalem, meaning that the uh, entire Israel is now was now under. Uh, Jewish domain or or Israeli domain, they in turn, uh, Moshe Dayan gave them the Temple Mount as a gesture of peace. That didn't really work. Um, then I let's just jump up to Luke twenty one through twenty through twenty four. If you wanted to use it as a reference, uh, that was Jesus prophesying where Titus leads the destruction of Jerusalem in over in seventy A.D., where over one million Jews were slaughtered and dispersed, and and until you know, the turn of the 19th century when the Zionists started returning back. Then you have Jerusalem, uh, top in the middle here, Zechariah 12, 2 through 3. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness for all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. It shall happen in that day, I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all people, all who would have it uh, heave it away will surely be cut in pieces through all the nations on earth have gathered against it. So there is no more of a uh, of a highly disputed area of land than the city of Jerusalem. It is the cornerstone of, of, of the heavens and the earth, and people want it, you know, and, and I'm for many, many reasons that uh, are, are satanic in terms of their trying to capture the land and the Temple Mount and whatnot. Um, but it's just as as scripture foretold that this would be the location, this would be the area that people would be fighting for, and so much so that even when America uh, finally moved their capital to uh, their embassy, I'm sorry, to Jerusalem as capital, you now have uh, um, uh, the current administration trying to set up a consulate for the Palestinians which would give them some credibility as far as East Jerusalem. Again, more areas of dividing up the land. Then I cite the uh, rise of anti-Semitism. Just look no further than the UN, the EU, France, Germany, obviously a part of the EU, but really, really difficult uh, anti-Semitic issues in the cultures, on the streets. Major United States uh, American college campuses, uh, anti-Semitism is, is running rampant. And of course, in, in many Arab nations, the Jewish people are considered less than human by, by some standards. So, you know, all of these things are happening all around us. Then you have uh, the, so these are things that have happened. I am going to point to one thing that I'm speculating a little bit, but I don't think it's too far. Where you have, we're on the cusp of the Ezekiel 38-39 war. And uh, you have currently where I where, where as I'm speaking to you today, you have Russia, you have Turkey, you have Iran, the three biggest players out of the 10 or 12 nations mentioned in Ezekiel 38 that will attack Israel are already on the Israeli border, have their military stationed there. You know, there's a lot of politicking going back and forth. 
But the, the fact that these three nations have militaries already on the border of Israel, with two of them have made it very clear about their displeasure uh, with Israel. Russia's been a little bit more sly uh, of, of hand, a little bit more of a chess player with Putin, but nonetheless, uh, one who, my, in my opinion, should not be trusted. But uh, they're there. They're there on the corner. And then you've got all the different Iranian proxies. Then I will close by saying this has just happened a couple of days ago. Uh, people in, in Israel are being told to prepare for war, that, they're, uh, that they're, they're getting, there's a lot of military exercises going on, uh, very serious uh, exercises with the Air Force. And then you have uh, a number of the Iranian proxies there are reports that they are moving a great deal of their missiles and, and, and arsenal, military arsenal, into civilian areas uh, by their proxies, meaning Lebanon, uh, parts of the Golan Heights in Syria, uh, I'm, I'm sure in areas of Gaza. Um, so they're already moving them into civilian targets right now. So I would not be surprised that sometime over the next couple of months, and, and again, the Jewish people are preparing for this right now. The civilians are preparing for this. So this may come sooner than you think. Will this be the Ezekiel 38, 39 war? I don't know. I simply don't know, but the signs are certainly there. So all of this points to Jesus' soon return. I just wanted to explain for a minute rather than just say the great Revelation 12 sign from September 23rd for those who may not be familiar with it. So... Let me say this, uh, signs at the end of the age. Uh, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples when he, they said, uh, he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So this was Jesus' response. See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this may take place, must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are but the beginnings of birth pains. So all of this we've seen a great deal of. Uh, nation against nation, wars, rumors of wars. Earthquakes are exponentially increasing over the years. There, even this past year, it's just been each passing year becomes uh, much more heightened with the quantity of earthquakes taking place. Uh, then I'm going to jump to verse 32, the lesson of the fig tree. This is why so much of what I'm saying is so important. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not. So the fig tree is the symbol for Israel. Israel is now a nation as of 1948. You can say maybe it wasn't complete until 1967 with Jerusalem. Uh, that, that's certainly possible that the Lord may be looking at it that way. But it says a generation will not pass. What's a generation? According to Psalm 90, verse 10, the days of our life are 70 years, or even if because of strength, 80 years. So somewhere between 70 and 80 years, according to, according to Psalms. Now, I want to jump to uh, the, the Revelation 12, the woman and the dragon. Uh, 
uh, following me on the right-hand side on video, and a great sign appeared in heaven. Again, a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant, was crying out in birth pains, in the agony of giving birth. Now remember, this is all a sign in heaven, all of what I'm describing. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. On its heads were seven diadems. Its tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven, cast them to earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who was to rule over the nations with a rod of iron, rule over the nations. Remember that, because that's going to become important as we go along. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. So this represents Israel and the 2,000, uh, I'm sorry, 1,260 days is the second half of the tribulation uh, or the time of Jacob's trouble. But it says there will be a sign in the heavens. So Jesus is telling you this is the sign that will be, that the time is drawing near. So September 23rd, 2017, I'm not going to get into a lot of all of the astronomical significance I'm giving you the Zodiac as a reference. I'm not promoting the Zodiacs. It's just because you will know this. Uh, but the stars were, are used by the Lord. Matter of fact, he says, he, you know, he counts the stars. He, know, he names them. But here you have uh, what we would know as Leo. Uh, and then on this date, you had all of these stars line up. You always have the nine stars of Leo. Then you have Mercury, Mars, and Venus lined up exactly. So you had the 12 stars just as the scripture said. Then you have Virgo the woman. And there, if you're following me on video, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of showing you this. And what happens is Jupiter, which according to the Jewish studies of the Maseroth, which is their interpretation of looking at this, this, the astronomy, not astrology, that Jupiter actually, what, what's called retrograding, went around in a circle for nine months which would be considered in the womb. It stayed within that certain sphere, interestingly enough, for nine months. It was 41 weeks. And then it came out on September 23rd. Uh, you also have, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, sun on her shoulders and um, then the moon at her feet, exactly as Scripture is foretold. But here's the other interesting aspect, where it says the red dragon will be waiting to devour the child. And if, um, if you're following me on video, I'm just showing you something of what was uh, retrograde, not retrograded, what was, um, I forget the word, where, where you, uh, oh gosh, when you black something out, redact, I'm sorry. Uh, and, and, and I'll show you that in a second. But my point here is, according to uh, the science, according to NASA, Google Sky, all of these, this happened on September 23rd. All of this. Now, some of these things have taken place over the years, very similar, but not everything lining up exactly as what is told. So in other words, there'll be often times where you would see Mercury, Mars, and Venus line up with Leo, but not where you have everything falling into place exactly as scripture says it would. And then again, you had the nine months of, of retrograding there as well uh, with Jupiter and 
you know, the Jewish studies showing that, that I don't know if I mentioned it, that they consider the Jewish studies of the Maseroth considers Jupiter to be representative of the Messiah. So here you have this hasn't happened in almost 6,000 years, and then it happened on September 23rd. So the other thing I wanted to do is I, I went to um, uh, Google Sky, and I'm just showing you this. So if you this is what you would, if you call up these constellations, this is the image that you would get on, on uh, Google Sky. And there you see uh, Leo and, and Virgo, and I'm showing you, I've circled them so you get an idea. But you see that redaction where I'm pointing the white arrow. And what that actually is, is, is uh, people were able to grab hold of that before this was redacted, and these were some of the images that they took. And it looks like a hideous, creepy, disgusting thing, whether it's a dragon with, with uh, the ten heads, and I can't say for sure, but it certainly resembles a dragon. It's certainly hideous, and it certainly happens to be in the exact spot of which uh, Jupiter would be coming down out of the womb. So you want to call that coincidence? I don't. Um, and, and I count this, myself personally, I count this as another overwhelming sign that Jesus is, is, is showing us. And again, it was prophesied that this sign would be in the heavens, and I believe that we saw this sign in the heavens exactly as what is laid out. So let me fast forward to Revelation 24 through 6. And I saw, th- and I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God and who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or in their hands. So these were martyrs from the tribulation. They accepted Jesus and were killed because of it. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. So here, you know, Jesus will reign on the earth for a thousand years. And and you and I and people who accepted the Lord and these martyrs will live with Jesus and will be priests with Jesus for a thousand years. So this is what I wanted to explore. Well, what, what's, what's going on? What about this thousand years? So I wanted to, before I do this, wanted to give you a frame of reference just to think about. Because, you know, I, I think, and, and I've been guilty of this, you think in a millennium and you think, oh, this is so far off, it's a thousand years. It's not a thousand years away, it's going to last a thousand years. So what if this would, were to happen within the next three years, five years, ten years? So I want to just give you a frame of reference for what the past decade was. I'm going to show you some events from 2010 to 2019, just so you know this is when was not that far away. So it's just, it's just an exercise. So Apple founder Steve, Steve Jobs unveils the first iPad. Instagram's launched. WhatsApp app comes to India. Uber is launched. Netflix starts expanding its streaming service to the international markets. WikiLeaks is founded by Julian Assange. Burj Khalifa becomes the tallest building in the world. Iceland's, and I can't even begin to pronounce this correctly, but they had this massive volcanic eruption that caused uh, disruption of travel and airspace throughout all of Europe. Um, the Arab Spring protests across the Middle East. I, you know, If you're listening to me, you, you remember the birth of the iPad. You remember the Arab Spring, Instagram, uh, Pakistan's massive flood that, des- that 
destroyed the country, really. Uh, disasters of 20 million people, 14 million of them were left homeless. Ireland and Greece, when they suffered the economic crash, the BP oil spill in, in, in down off the uh, Gulf of Mexico. Justin Bieber, at 16 years old, becomes the youngest male to hit number one on the charts. Australia uh, elects its first prime minister. Uh, dozens of asylum seekers drown as the boat they were in crashed near the rocks of Christmas Island. Trump is elected as America's 45th president, the biggest upset in, U in U.S. political history. I'm citing all of these things because hopefully if you're listening, you remember. You say, well, yeah, I, I remember, or at least some of these, if not all of them. And you say, okay, yeah, that wasn't that far away. It's not that, that's not that far away. Well, if I'm pointing out some of the things that I did earlier, Jesus coming back could be that close. I'm not saying it will be, but it's certainly within the realm of plausibility. So I'd like to explore what will the millennium be? Well, you know what? When I looked at scriptures, it turns out there's some very interesting promises. There's a land promise for, Genesis, for Israel in Genesis 15. It says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, said, To your descendants I give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates, the lands of the Canaanites, Kenzanites, Kadamites, Hittites, Canaanites, Canaanites, Raphaites, Amorites, Gishites, no, I'm not praying, Girgashites, I'm sorry, and Jebusites. It covers, if you look at it, and I cite, I put a map together with a little border of all their modern day countries, how it encompasses a great deal of uh, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Jordan. Uh, obviously, we've never seen anything remotely close to it, but the Lord promised that this is Israel's land. So, promise is a promise, right? So this covers 300,000 square miles of land, and Israel today covered, at its peak, 10,000 square miles. So that's a promise of what will come in the new millennium. Uh, there is a spiritual promise. Jews rejected Christ before. Remember, the Jewish people rejected Jesus. The Jewish people gave us Jesus, but they rejected him. Jeremiah 31 Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, a new covenant, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in that day, that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which is my covenant that they broke, although I was a husband to them. Yellow highlight. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts, right in their hearts, and will be their God, and they will be my people. So there's a spiritual promise that's coming that Israel will enter, and the Jewish people will recognize the Lord, and, and he will live and reign with them. And they shall teach no more, uh, no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. So if God says they will all know me, they will all know him. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will give their iniquity, and I will remember sin no more. So obviously we're talking about the millennium. If this is going to happen and they remember sin no more, this cannot that's cannot or wouldn't exist without the return of Jesus. There's a promise to the church. Second Timothy two twelve, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. The church will reign with Jesus if you have accepted him. And, and you do not deny him. Revelation 2.25, But that which he had already hold fast till I come, 
And he that overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers. Even as I receive my father, I will give him the morning star. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the seven churches. He will give them Oh, and give them power over the nations. The, the nations will know Jesus is king and will give that, have that power in the new millennium. Revelation 5, and ha- has made us unto God our kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. We're reigning on the earth. There you have it. Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Talking about us living in the earth with Jesus. This is the thousand years. He makes a promise to the nations, Isaiah 2, 4. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So we will be living in a uh, peaceful environment and man will not war with one another. Isaiah 11.9, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then he makes a wonderful uh, promise to creation that we've not seen since the fall of man. Or obviously we didn't see this, but or, or, or understand this. And this is one of my favorite scriptures because I'm a big animal. I'm a huge animal lover. Uh, and, and I love this. It says, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the kid, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones will lie together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So the earth is not even remotely close to the full knowledge of the Lord, and that won't happen until Jesus is here on earth. But these are some of the things uh, that, that we can look forward to with the different animals, you know, living and reigning together. And then you're, you're, it's just going to be a wonderful time. Uh, then he makes this promise to Jesus. So this is the Father I've mentioned the promises to the church, to Israel, to the nations, to creation, but he made a promise to Jesus. Jesus came as a lamb to be slaughtered, but when he comes back, he's coming as a lion. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he will execute judgment and then take his place as king. Luke one thirty one through 33, and behold, thou shalt conceive in the womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest, the Lord God, unto the throne of his father David, which is in Jerusalem. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. So here you have it. He's giving him his kingdom, He's and he will reign in Jerusalem. Can't be clear on that. And then finally, Daniel 7, 9 through 14. I'm not going to read it all, but I, I'd advise you to, to go through it. This is where the Ancient of Days reigns, and he, and he presents this to the Son of Man, to Jesus. Let me jump to the right-hand side. It says, I kept looking in the night vision. This is uh, um, uh, in the book of Daniel 7, 9 through 14. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, on the clouds of heaven, 
one like the Son of Man was coming and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. So this is Jesus, the Son of Man, coming to the Ancient of Days, the Lord our Father. And to him the Messiah was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and speakers of every language should serve and worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed. So this begins the millennial reign with Jesus. And this is what the Father promised Jesus. Now I want to talk about the, the interim period. Daniel 12, 11 through 13. Uh, from the time that the regular sacrifice, that is the daily burnt offering, is taken away and the abomination of the desolation is set up, which is ruining the temple of the worship for the true God. This is where Satan goes in and declares himself Lord in the temple. There will be 1,290 days. So wait a minute. There was 1,260 days, but now he's saying there's 1,290. So he's added 30 days. How blessed, happy, fortunate, spiritually prosperous, and beloved is he who waits expectantly, enduring without wavering for the period of tribulation, and comes to the 1,335 days. But as for you, Daniel, go your way until the end, for you will rest and rise again for your allotted inheritance is at the end of the age. So basically, this is Gabriel saying, you know, write the vision down, but this is, this is, put it away. This is not for not yet. But this is what we're looking at. So the 1,260 days is the last three and a half years of the, of the tribulation. But again, I just want to point this out. It says 1,290 days, then it goes up to 1,335. That's an increase of 75 days before the millennium begins. So let me break it down this way. It explains the prophetic timetable that will take place, uh, that will take these tribulation saints from the midpoint of the tribulation to the end of the 70th week or the second ad- and the second advent. This time was previously be revealed to be 1,260 days, but Gabriel says there will be 1290. Likewise, verse 12, how blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1335. So now we've got these 75 days. Well, if Jesus puts these 75 days in Scripture, they're there for a reason. So there's this interim period. Well, what happens? Well, consider this. Judgment of the nations follows the second advent and precedes the entrance of the saints into the, period, into the kingdom. Matthew 25, 30 through 34. We're going to uh, explain that. That's the, that's the judgment of the nations, sheep and goats. Other events that may occupy this time period, such as the elevation of the millennial Jerusalem and the building of the temple. I give you the scriptures here. The dedication of the temple will require a functioning priesthood to be at the site, so it's, it's likely the work the temple will take place once the kingdom has commenced. So why are those who made it through the 1335 so blessed? They made it to the millennial kingdom. So a couple of things I want you to consider is people on earth, will there will be people living that have survived up until the tribulation. And if they've not taken the mark of the beast, if they've accepted Jesus and they make it through and then they enter into this 1335, that means they, they, they've lived on earth all this time, and then now they're about to embark upon the millennium with Jesus on earth. So they would not know things in heaven as others who have since passed and know the Lord. They won't experience that until the end of the thousand years, and I'll, I'll, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but, but all of this, well, what, what's going to happen? What are these 75 days about? 
And I'm going to give you some examples and some things to consider. The Antichrist and the false prophet is thrown into the lake of fire. Satan is bound for a thousand years. Earth is restored. The old garment is burned in fervent heat. Remember, if we're at the end of, of the tribulation, the earth is, is, is in shatters, I'm going to say. Um, and <clears throat> there's a lot of things that need to be done to restore that. Uh, you bring back the Jewish remnant to Israel, the resurrection of the Old Testament saints, the faithful remnant into Israel. Consider this. This is when we're going to see Noah coming in, Abraham coming in, David, Daniel, Ezra, Esther, um, Joshua, etc., etc. All of these people will be entering into, into Israel. For that matter, so will Moses. Moses will come into the promised land. The tribulation saints will be re resurrected. Zechariah 12, where we mourn the Messiah. Remember, they will recognize this is the one that they pierced. They have, you have to clean up the abomination of desolation. When Jesus comes back, there is still the abomination of desolation. That has to be dealt with. That's when you're going to have the new temple. Because obviously he's not going to just remove the statue or, or remove what Satan's done and then you know kind of clean it up. No, 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 no. We're talking about a complete redo. Uh, and remember, Jesus destroys the armies, not the civilians. So you're going to potentially have millions, maybe even a billion people, I don't know, who have the mark of the beast, who are still there. Recognize they've seen what, what will happen, you know, with Jesus coming back. But this is what's going to be going on in the earth, that these people will have to be dealt with. Uh, um, and then you have the judgment with the, the, the sheep and the goats, which is the judgment of the nations. So I'm just kind of painting a broad stroke picture of a lot of things that have to be dealt with before you get into the millennium. Uh, and, and these are just some. They're not all of them. But I just, you know, again, I'm trying to show you that there's a lot going on in, the, in this millennial kingdom. So the defeat of Satan and the beast and the false prophet, Revelation 19, uh, 19 uh, and then Revelation 20, 1 through 3 is where Satan is bound into the bottomless pit. Uh, for a thousand years. So let, let me read that for you. Uh, let me, then I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his great hand a great chain. He sees the dragon. Remember, the dragon is always Satan, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss, locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. So here you have the, the, the Antichrist and the false prophet uh, are thrown into the lake of fire, which is different than what Satan is cast into temporarily for these thousand years. Uh, so this will happen. So we'll see this happen. Uh, we'll, we'll bear witness to it at least. Yeah, I guess, you know, yeah. <laughs> As, again, these are just things that are hard to imagine, but they're going to take place and we're going to witness it. The judgment of the, of, of the nations. And here I'm citing Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Again, I'm not going to get into, you know, I'm not going to read it all, but it says, all the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep in his right and the goats to his left. So, uh, you know, the, the sheep are his, his people. The goats are the ones who rejected him. And this is where the judgment of nations will take place. This happens before the millennial reign 
uh, uh, comes to be. So I I advise you to strongly to you know these are Jesus' own words. This is what's going to happen. This is remember he this is what he will be doing because he is the righteous judge. Uh, so you know that that will be taking place. Paint a couple of other pictures for you. Uh, Ezekiel eighteen thirty one. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you've committed. Get a new heart and a new spirit. Uh, so what's also going to happen is we're going to be entering into the millennium. The Gentile and the Jewish believers will coming in as the whole house of Israel. Uh, when will this take place? Well, right after the Antichrist desecrates the temple in Jerusalem. The Jews will become so disillusioned that they turn to the Messiah. So remember, they've made this peace treaty with, uh, uh, with the Antichrist, and it lasts for three and a half years. And then at the th- three and a half year marker, that last 1,260 days is when he breaks it, when he declares himself God, and they realize, uh-oh, what did we do? Uh, you know, that they, they've, he's defiled the temple. They will fl- flee to the wilderness of Petra, where they will be preserved supernaturally. This is, and, and again, this is where the, you saw in the scripture earlier in Revelation, the 1,260 days, the 144,000 uh, Jewish witnesses, uh, they, they will be um, protected in Petra, uh, which is a part of Jordan and, and near southern Israel. So all of these things, you know, these faithful believers and remnants, these witnesses to the gospel in this last three and a half years of the tribulation, uh, they're going to be getting ready to enter into the millennium. Then Ezekiel 37, the, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, take a stick in, of wood, write on it, belonging to Judah and the Israelites associated with him. Then take another stick of wood and write on it belonging to Joseph, that is Ephraim, and all the Israelites associated with him. Join them together in one stick that they will become one in your hand. When your people ask you, won't you tell us what you mean by this? This is what the Lord says to them. He says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am going to take the stick of Joseph, which is in Ephraim's hand, and of the Israelite tribes associated with him and join it to Judah's stick. I will make them a single stick of wood and they will become one in my hand. Hold before their eyes and sticks to you have written on it and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from around and bring them back to their own land. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over all of them and they will never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any of their offenses, for I will save them from their sinful backsliding, and I will cleanse them. They will be my people, and I will be their God. And it goes on to say, I will make that this everlasting covenant. So, you know, these, again, more of the things that we're going to be looking forward to that will be happening, uh, you know, leading up to that interim period and then entering into the millennium with Jesus. Then there will be the new millennial temple. As I said, you're, he's not going to, he's going to rid and, and uh, you know, this abomination of desolation. There's a great deal that, that of information about this new temple. I'm just kind of broad stroking some of the highlights. Uh, you can find this all in the eight chapters or nine chapters of Ezekiel 40 through 48. But just let me give you some comparisons to what this was like in the Mosaic system uh, what I'm calling the Ezekiel system, which is the millennial reign. 
you have the Ark of the Covenant. There will be no Ark of the Covenant. There will be no table of law. There will be no cherubim, no mercy seat, no veil, no golden candlestick, no showbread, no priest, no feast of Pentecost. No, uh, oh, there will be animal sacrifices. And people are like, well, what do you mean? Because, and I don't have time to get into a lot of this, but let me just say that you will still need to make decisions to accept Jesus. So people will be born in the millennium. People will be born not knowing, you know, Jesus the way that we do. They will be, you know, hopefully raised that way, but they will ha still have freedom of choice. You still have that sinful nature. Uh, you know, a lot of times you just point it to Satan, but that's that's in our nature. So whether you accept Jesus or not. So there will be animal sacrifices. And, and I give you some of the reasons why on the upper left, uh, all priests can enter. This is where Jesus himself will be. Um, and, and, you know, they can enter into the Holy of Holies. We will see Jesus. We will know Jesus. Um, and then uh, lower left here, all uses of atonement are related to the concept of purification of the temple or the altar, except two. Uh, Ezekiel, and I give you the scriptures, recounting the anointing and consecration of the temple, the altar, and the priest after the construction of the temple. So this is what the new millennial temple will, it's giving you a model, uh, an artist rendition, but we know what these, these breakdowns will be according to Ezekiel. So you can see the size and the scope and the magnitude of Jesus here on earth and, and what will be. So, and, and we will be making uh, um, passages or trips in, to, to Jerusalem. You will see Jesus living and reigning from Jerusalem. Uh, it's exciting. It's, you know, these, these are just more things to, you know, look on. Uh, and, you know, some of the purposes of the temple, it provides a throne of God, uh, for God among his people, and it will reflect God's holiness by its walls of separations and courts. So, the, you know, this will be the place to, to go and, and to see in the millennial reign. So um, pretty exciting stuff, I think, anyway. But, you know, things to think about, I guess. This is really what I wanted to bring about is to kind of tweak your, your, your paradigm a little bit and, um, you know, start thinking about what this is going to be like and um, or dream with God. How about that? So let me just kind of wrap some things up here. You have the 75-day interval. And, and let me also put it this way. This is the culminating apex of world history. This is what the, the, the precursor to all of eternity. After this thousand years, that's when eternity begins. Uh, the words in Revelation 20:17 illuminates Christ beginning his kingdom and reign for a thousand years after his second coming. During this time, Christ will be the focus of creation. He will be ruling visibly in the entire world with power, great glory, righteousness. So I give you kind of a little bit of a, 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 of a map or a timeline. Jesus' second coming, you have that 75 days before the millennial begins. Um, I show you here some imagery. You'll have Christ on the Davidic throne, the removal of the curse, the temple, the temple sacrifices, Finally, at the end of the thousand years, there will be a short release of, of Satan before you enter in. What will be the final judgment, which will be the great white throne judgment uh, of, of where, you know, you will be either cast into the lake of fire or you will enter into eternity with the Lord. Zechariah 14.9, the Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. 
I cite many other scriptures here that you can look at that pertain to the millennium. So, you know, uh, you know, if you're following me on podcast, I have it here on video. Zephaniah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Jeremiah, Luke, Mark, Amos, 1 Corinthians, Joel, Micah, Isaiah, Revelation, Psalm, Matthew. All of these books are talking about the millennium. So there's all this wealth of information uh, that, that you can find if you're so inclined. And then finally, I just wanted to say this. This is the close of Revelation, and it's, and it's Jesus' words. It says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. If anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. So yeah, I, I wanted to just paint this picture for you. I wanted you to think about some things beyond these seven years of tribulation, which, you know, so much information. And I've certainly talked and talked and, and taught a lot on that. Um, but I, 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 I wanted it to. I just felt like it was the right thing to do to, to start to think about life beyond what, what it would be like for us here on the earth. It's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. But if you don't know the Lord, it's not going to be. And this is why, you know, this is the most important aspect. I, I always say this, if, if you don't, do not know the Lord, this is the time. Uh, please, you know, examine your heart. It's as simple as saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I recognize it. I need you to come into my life, be Lord and Savior of my life. Uh, you know, I it, it's that simple. Um, you know, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Christ, Jesus is the Christ, is Lord. That 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 that's it. So, and if you're still not sure, seek out a good Bible church. Uh, go to church. See what others have to say. See what some of the other ministers look. Ask around. The signs are all around us. I kind of painted that picture in the beginning. Um, so don't, you know, don't let another moment go by if, if, if you haven't made that decision yet. Uh, I want to thank you all so very much for listening. My name is Mark Russick. And remember, as always, just my opinion.